Hello everyone, this is Mr. Macmillan. Good evening. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Almighty God, for this day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being with us. Father, we ask that you be with us in this word tonight. And we ask, Lord, that you help us to understand this word and to see this word in our lives today, Father. Help us, Father, through this word to not make the same mistakes, but to embed ourselves, to get closer to you, Father, to understand the right from the wrong and what is good in your eyesight. Father, we ask that you help us to understand your words and to utilize those words, not just for ourselves, but for others. And Father, we thank you, Almighty God, for loving us so much, for having mercy upon us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone. We uh, left off at uh, chapter 5, okay? Normally, we would not be uh, meeting at this time. We're like 12 hours late out. Uh, but um, we had some things we had to take care of today. So we um, had to switch our timing around a little bit today. But we will be back on track tomorrow. Uh, so, let's get started. Um, Second Kings chapter 5. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Armin, and he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands from Armin had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Ammon replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten sets of clothes. The letters that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Nam to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? 
Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Eliza, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Eliza's house. Now Eliza sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Far Farpar the rivers of the spot and cure uh, rivers of the Damascus? better than any of the waters of Israel? Can't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Now Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean, like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, because except now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Namath urged him, he refused. If you will, if you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my masters entered the temple of Rimmon to bow down, and he is learning uh, leaning on my arm, and I bowed there also. When I bowed down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Eliza said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Jehazi, the servant of Elijah, man of God, said to him, My master was too easy on Naaman. This Armenian man of God said to himself, um, sorry, I'm rereading it again. Um, 
My master was too easy on naming this Armenian by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So uh, so Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked. Everything is all right. Gehazi answered, my master sent me to say, two, uh, sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill, uh, from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. Now, First of all, this young man is a servant of the prophet. And he's going against what the prophet was saying. Now, apparently, the prophet knows not to take anything because he's been told not to take anything. But, of course, this young man can't hear what the prophet is saying. And I mention this because there's so many people today that do this very thing. A prophet will tell them something, or they'll hear something, and they run and do just the opposite. Trying to embedder themselves or be sneaky. And the outcome is not very well. Okay, so let's just see what happens here. 23. By all means, take two talents, said Nahum. He urged Jehazi to accept items and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to the two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servant and put them away in the house. He sent the men away and they left. Then he went in and stood before his master, Eliza. Where have you been, Gehazi? Eliza said. Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. Now he's lying to the man of God. But Eliza said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men servants and maidservants? Nahum's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elijah, Eliza's present, and he was leprous, as white as snow. See? He brought that uh, onto himself. Uh, in other words, if you're going to take his stuff, you're going to get his stuff. You're going to get just what he got. Whew. Okay, everybody, are we listening to this clearly? 
Sometimes you want something that you see somebody else have and then you get it and you don't want it because things come with it. Things are attached to it. <laughs> okay, let's go to chapter 6. The company of the prophets said to Elijah, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to Jordan, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to live. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servant? I will, Elijah replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron ox head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Eliza cut a stick and threw it and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, said uh, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of the passing that place, because the Armenians are going, to, uh, going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time, uh, time and again. And Eliza warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers. But Eliza, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send him, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dauphin. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the, servants, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Eliza prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Eliza. <laughs> 
as the enemy came down towards him. Now, mind you, remember, Eliza ran right inside with Elijah when he was going up to heaven in the chariots of fire. He saw them. So would he not have the same army at his side? Because remember now, he received a double portion of what Elijah had. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, as the, as the enemy came, 18, as the enemy came down towards him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Eliza had asked. Eliza told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me. And I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Mm. Um, <laughs> After they entered the city, Eliza said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them, my, shall I kill them, my father, or shall I kill them? <laughs> Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured? with your own sword or bow. Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them and they, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. <laughs> Sometimes you get more done when you're nicer, sweeter, right? Honey, you get more done with honey than you do with vinegar, okay? Um, 24. Sometime later, Ben-Had, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pot for five shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord the king. And the king replied, If the Lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? For the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, What's the matter? She answered, This woman said to me, Give up your son, so we may eat him today, and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, Give up your son, so we can eat him, but she has hidden she has hidden him. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robe 
As he went along the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. He said, My God, deal with me, be it ever so severely. If the head of Eliza, son of Safat, remains on his shoulders today. Now, Eliza was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a message ahead, but before he arrived, Eliza said to the elders, Don't you see how this, ma- how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's footstep behind him? While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him, and the king said, This disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord my why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Mm. That sounds like some people we know, right? They don't get it right when they want it, so why should I wait? I've been I've been waiting and I've been waiting and and and, and some of us been waiting for years. Trust and believe, right? Trust and believe. It strengthens you. It makes your faith stronger. Wait. Okay, um, chapter 7. Eliza said, here's the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A seed of flour will, f- will sell for a shekel and two seeds of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You you will see it with your own eyes, answered Eliza, but you will not eat any of it. Wow, that's not good. Now there were four men with leprosy, at the entrance of the city gate. And they said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go to the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. (laughs) If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenians... For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another... Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian king to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dust and abandoned their tents and (laughs) 
and their horses and donkeys. <laughs> they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. <laughs> oh, Lord, you're good. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, we're not, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gates keeper and told them, We went into Armenian camp and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone, only, only tethered horses and donkeys. And the tents left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Armenians have done to us. They know we are starving, so they have left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking they will surely come out. And then we will take them alive and get into the city. One of the officers answered, Have some men take five of the horses that are left in the city. They plotted will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after Armenian army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what, what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, and they found that the whole road strewed with clothes and equipment the Armenians had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Armenians. So a thief of flour sold for a shekel, and two thieves of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord had said. Now the king had put the officers on, uh, now the king had put the officer on whose arm he leaned in charge of the gate. And the people trampled him in the gateway and he died. Just as the man of God had foretold when the king came down to his house. It happened as the man of God had said to the king about this time tomorrow. A seed of flour will sell for a shekel, and two seeds of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer had said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? The man of God had replied, 
you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat of it. And that is exactly what happened to him. For the people trampled him in the gateway and he died. Now, Eliza had said, chapter 8. Now, Eliza had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do so as the Lord of God said. The woman, uh, the woman proceeded to do so as the man of God said. She and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. At the end of seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to the king to beg for her horses and land. The king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, and had said, Tell me about all the great things Eliza has done. Just as... Jehazi was telling the king how Eliza had restored the dead to life. The woman whose son Elijah had brought back to life came to beg the king for her house and land. Jehazi said, This is the woman, my lord, the king, and this is her son whom Eliza restored to life. The king asked the woman about it, and she told him, then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, Give back everything that belongs to her, including all the income from her land, from the day she left the country until now. Eliza went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, was ill. And when the king was told... The man of God had come all the way up here. He said to Hazel, take a gift with you and go to meet the man of God. Consult the Lord through him and ask him, will I recover from this illness? Hazel went to meet Eliza, taking with him a gift 40 camels loads of all the finest wares of Damascus. And he went in and stood before him and said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Arm, has sent me to ask, Will I recover from this illness? Eliza answered, Go and say to him, You will certainly recover. But the Lord has revealed to me, that he will, in fact, die. He stared at him with a fixed gaze until Hazel felt ashamed. Then the man of God began to weep. Why is my Lord weeping? asked Hazel. Because I know the harm you will do to the Israelites, he answered. Wow. Whoo! You will set fire to their fortified places, kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, 
and rip open their pregnant women. Hazel said, how could you, how could your servant, a mere dog, accomplish such feats? The Lord has shown me that you will become king of Aram, answered Elijah. Then Harazel left Elijah and returned to his master. Then Benadad asked, what did Elijah say to you? Hazel replied, he told me that you would certainly recover. But the next day, he took a thick cloth, soaked, soaked it in water, and spread it over the king's face so that he died. Then Hazel succeeded him as king. Uh, <laughs> evil, right there. 16. In the 15th year of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Joram, son of Jehoshaphat, began his reign as king of Judah. And he was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab had done. For he married a daughter of Ahab, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, for the sake of his servant David, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah. He had promised to maintain a lamp for David and his descendants forever. Pay attention to that. The Lord promised what? The Lord promised a lamp for David and his descendants. Who is the lamp? Christ Jesus. Did he not come out the line of Judah? Yes, he did. Okay. So they had to have somebody still there holding the seat. Okay. Um, in the time of Joram, Edom rebelled against Judah and set up its own king. So Jehoram, sorry, Jehoram went to Zar with all his chariots. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders. But he rose up and broke through by night. His army and his chariot commandments. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, guys. This print is really tiny. So everything is kind of running together. So give me a second. Okay, I'm going to reread this again. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders. But, but he rose up and broke through by night. His army, however, fled back home. To this day, Edom has been in rebellion against Judah. <laughs> Shaka! And that is the truth, people. Mm. Look around you all over the world, especially here in the United States. Uh, <laughs> Whew. Yes. If, mm -mm. Yes, Lord. That's the truth. <laughs> Lebanon revolted at the same time. Okay. 
As for the other events of Jehoram, reign and all he did as they not written in the book of the annuals of the king of Judah, Jehoram rested with his father and was buried with them in the city of David, and Ahazerah, the son, succeeded him as king. Okay, Ahazerah, king of Judah. In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahazerah, son of uh, Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. His mother's name was Athaliah, a granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. Uh, He walked in the ways of the house of Ahab and did evil in the eyes of the Lord as the house of Ahab had done. For he was related by marriage to Ahab's family. Ahazerah went with Joram, son of Ahab, to war against Harzel, king of Aram, at Ramoth-Gilad. Uh, the Armenians wounded Joram. So King Joram returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds the Armenians had inflicted on him at Ramoth in his battle with Hazel, king of Aram. Then Ahazah, son of Joram, king of Judah, went down to Jezreel to see Joram son of Ahab, because he had been wounded. The prophet Elijah, this is chapter 9, the prophet Elijah summoned a man from the company of the prophets, and he said to him, tuck your cloak into your belt and take this flask of oil with you and go to Ramoth Gilad. When you get there, look for Jeru, son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, go to him and get him away from this, from his companions and take him into an inner room. Then take the flask and pour the oil on his head and declare, this is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. Then open the door and run. Don't delay. Open the door and run. Wow. Okay. So, the young man, the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilad. When he arrived, he found the army officers sitting together. I have a message for you, commander, he said. For which of, for which of us, asked Jeru. For you, commander, he replied. Jeru got up and went into the house. Then the prophet poured the oil on Jeru's head and declared, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over it over. I anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You are to destroy the house of Ahab, your master. 
and I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the master, uh, <laughs> of all the Lord's servants shed by Jezebel. The whole house of Ahab will perish. I will cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free, and I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, son of Ahijah. As for Jezreel, dogs will devour her on the plot of the ground at Jezreel, and no one will bury her. Then he opened the door and ran. When Jer when Jeru went out to his fellow officers, one of them asked him, Is everything all right? Why did that madman come to you? You know the man and the sort of things he says, Jeru replied. That's not true, they said. Tell us. Jeru said, here is what he told me. This is what the Lord says. I anoint you king over Israel. They hurried and took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jeru is king. So Jeru, son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. Now, Joram and all of Israel have been defending Ramoth-Gilad against Hazel, king of Aram. But King Joram had returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds the Armenians had inflicted on him in the battle with Hazel, king of Aram. Jehu said, If this is the way you feel, don't let anyone slip out of this city to go and tell the news the news in Jezreel. Then go into his chariot and rode to Jezreel because Joram was resting there and Ahazerah, king of Judah, had gone down to see him. When the lookout standing on the tower of Jezreel saw Jehu's troops approaching, he called out, I see some troops coming. Get a horseman, Joram ordered. Send him to meet them and ask, do you come in peace? The horseman rode off to meet Jeru and said this. This is what the king says. Do you come in peace? What do you have to do with peace, Jeru replied. Fall in behind me. The lookout report, the messenger has reached them, but he isn't coming back. So the king sent out a second horseman, and when he came to him, he said, This is what the king says, do you come in peace? Jeru replied, What do you have to do with peace? Fall in behind me. The lookout reported, he has reached them, but he isn't coming back either. The driving is like that of Jeru, son of Nimshi. He drives like a madman. Hitch up my chariot, Joram ordered. And when it was hitched up, 
Joram, king of Israel, and Ahazerah, king of Judah, rode out, each in his own chariot, to meet Jeru. They met him at the, at the pilot of ground that had belonged to Naboth, the Jezreelite. When Jeram saw Jeru, he asked, Have you come in peace, Jeru? How can there be peace, Jeru replied, as long as all the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abound? Jeram turned about and fled, calling out to Ahazah, Treachery! Ahazah pierced his heart, and he, and he slumped down in his chariot. Jeru said to Betka, his chariot officer, Pick him up and throw him on the field that belongs to Naboth, the Jezebel, the Jezelite. Remember how you and I, riding together in chariots behind Ahab, his father, when the Lord made him made this prophecy about him. Yesterday I saw the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons, declares the Lord, and I will surely make you pay for it on this plot of ground, declares the Lord. Now then, pick him up and throw him on the plot in accordance with the word of the Lord. Yay! When Ahazerah, king of Judah, saw what had happened, he fled up the road to Beth Hagan. Jeru chased him, shouting, Kill him too! They wounded him in his chariot on the way up to Gur near, uh, near Iblin. But he escaped to Megiddo and died there. His servants took him by chariot to Jerusalem and buried him with his fathers in his tomb in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, son of Ahab, uh, son of Ahab Ahazerah had become king of Judah. Okay, then Jeru went to Jezreel. When Jezebel, <laughs> then Jeru went to Jezreel. When Jezebel heard about it, she painted her eyes, arranged her hair, and looked out of a window. As Jeru entered the gate, she asked, "How you come? Have you come in peace, Zimri, your murderer of your master?" He looked up at the window and called out, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three Enochs looked down at him. Throw her down, Jeru said. So they threw her down, and some of her body, uh, some of her blood spattered the wall and the horses as they trampled her underfoot. Woo. Ow. That was a high height, I imagine. And boy, she was nothing when she came down. Jeru went in and, and ate and drank. 
uh, take care of that cursed woman, he said, and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they found nothing except her skull, her feet and her hands. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Let's go back and read that again. <laughs> so, <laughs> after they threw her down, he went inside and ate and drank. Literally, he feasted because she was gone. It was all done. Yay, let's celebrate. Uh, take care of that cursed woman, he said, and bury her. But remember, the Lord said she wouldn't be buried. For she was a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they found nothing except her skull, her feet, and her hands. Wow. They went back. <laughs> they went back and told Jehu, who said, This is the word of the Lord, that he spoke through his servant Elijah, the Tishbite, on the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs will devour Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's body will be like refuse on the ground in the plot at Jezreel, so that no one will be able to say, this is Jezebel. Wow. Ten. Now there were in Samaria 70 sons of the house of Ahab. So Jeru wrote a letter and sent them to Samaria to the officials of Jezreel, to the elders and to the guardians of Ahab's children. And he said, as soon as this letter reaches you, Since your master's sons are with you and you have chariots and horses, a fortified city and weapons, choose the best and the most worthy of your master's sons and set him on his father's throne. Then fight for your master's house. But they were terrified and said, if two kings could not resist him, how can we? So, the palace administrator, the city governor, the elders, and the guardian, and the gardens set this measure to Jeru. Uh, we are your servants, and we will do anything you say. We will not appoint anyone as king. You do whatever you think best. Then Jeru wrote them a second letter saying, if you are on my side and will obey me, take the head of your master's sons and come to me in Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the royal princes, 70 of them, were with the leading men of the city who were rearing, who were rearing them. And when the letters arrived, these men took the princes and slaughtered all 70 of them. They put their heads in baskets and set them to Jeru and Jezreel. 
Now, when the messenger arrived, he told Jeru, they have brought the heads of the princes. Then Jeru ordered, put them in two piles at the entrance of the city gate until morning. The next morning, Jeru went out and he stood before all the people and said, you are innocent. It was I who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? Know then that not a word that Lord has spoken against the house of Ahab will fail. The Lord has done what he promised through his servant Elijah. So Jeru killed everyone in Jezreel who remained of the house of Ahab as well as all his chief men, his close friends, and his priests, leaving him no survivor. (laughs) Wipe them all out. Then the Lord said, don't leave, no leaving in the bread. Throw it out. Jeru set out and went towards Samaria at Beth-Ikhet of the shepherds and he met some relatives of Ahaza king of Judah and asked who are you and they said we are relatives of Ahaza and we have come down to greet the families of the king and the queen's mother take them alive he ordered so they took them alive and slaughtered them by the well of Beth Erpt 42 men He left no survivor. After he left there, he came upon uh, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, who was on his way to meet him. Jeru greeted him and said, Are you in accord with me as I am with you? I am Jehonadab, answered If so, said Jehu, give me your hand. So he did, and Jehu helped him up into the chariot. Jehu said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. And then he had him ride along in his chariot. When Jehu came to Samaria, he killed all who were left there of Ahab's family. He destroyed them. (coughs) excuse me, according to the word of the Lord spoken to to Elijah. Now, mind you, Elijah's long been caught up and gone to heaven and see things, even though he's gone, these things are happening. Okay. <clears throat> then Jehu brought all the people together and sold them and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little. Jehu will serve him much. Now summon all the prophets of Baal, all his ministers and all his priests. See that no one is missing, because I am going to hold a great sacrifice for Baal. 
Anyone who fails to come will no longer live. But Jehu was acting deceitfully, uh, deceptively, sorry, in order to destroy the minister of Baal, Baal, ministers of Baal. Jehu said, come, call all, call an assembly in honor of Baal. So they proclaimed it. Then he sent word throughout Israel, and all the ministers of Baal came. Not one stayed away. They crowded into the temple of Baal until it was full, for one end to the other. And Jeru said to the keeper of the wardrobe, Bring ropes for all the ministers of Baal. So he brought out the ropes for them. Then Jeru and Jehoradab, uh, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal. Jeru said to the minister of Baal, Look around and see that no servant of the Lord are here with you. Only ministers of Baal. So they went in and made sacrifice and burnt offerings. Now Jeru had posted 80 men outside with this warning. If one of you lets any of the men I am placing in your hands escape, I will be. it will be your life for his life. As soon as Jeru had finished making the burnt offerings, he offered the gods and officers, go in and kill them. Let no one escape. So they cut them down with the swords. The gods and the officers threw the bodies out and then entered the inner shrine of the temple of Baal. They brought the sacred stone out of the temple of Baal and, and burned it. They demolished the sacred stone of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal. And the people have used it for a lattice to this day. So, Jeru destroyed Baal's worship in Israel. However, he did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit the worship of the golden calf of Bethel and Dan. The Lord said to Jeru, because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab all I have in mind to do, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Yet Jeru was not careful to keep the law of the Lord and uh, the God of Israel with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam which he had caused Israel to commit. In those days, the Lord began to reduce the size of Israel. Hazarel overpowered the Israelites throughout their territory, east of the Jordan and all the land of Gilad, the region of Gad, Reuben, and Massana. The aurora by the Armand Gorge through Gilad to Bashan, Uh, as the other events of Jeru's region, brain, sorry, all he did and all his achievements, are they not written in the books of the annuals of the king of Israel? Jeru rested with his father and was buried in Samaria and, Je and Jehoraz, his son, succeeded him as king. The time that Jeru reigned over the Israel in Samaria was 28 years. Okay. All right, everyone. That's our reading for the day. Wow. Um, 
All I can say is, wow, right? Uh, <laughs> everything the Lord prophesied through Elijah uh, came about way, way later after Eliza was in office, had taken his place. And, um, and so it came about. So I say to you today, okay, um, don't be so quick to think that things are going to uh, happen right away because it's not in our time. It's in God's time. And so you can see this same results uh, during the time of um, the two prophets. One had already been caught up and gone to heaven. And the other one took his place, and it was years later, way, way later, when these things that was prophesied to the first one actually came to fruition, okay? All right, and so the same thing applies in our lives today, okay? So you just have to keep waiting and believing and draw on that belief because that's your strength-based, Okay? may not be happening right now. You've been praying for 10 years, 20 years. You've been praying a lifetime. But guess what? It's coming. It's coming. All right. Okay, everyone. This is Minister MacMillan. Let's pray out and then we will leave. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this word tonight. We thank you, Almighty God, for this time with you and understanding your word. And Father, I ask Almighty God that you place in our hearts and minds to use this word in our lives, to see the things that are happening in our lives and make correct, right judgments, right moves in our lives. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you for your insight and your wisdom, Lord. Thank you, Father. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone, this is Minister MacMillan. You have a blessed evening or night or morning, depending on what part of the world you're in. And good night.